Welcome to Be Well Westchester, the podcast devoted to all things fitness, food, and wellness right here in beautiful Westchester, Pennsylvania. I am Devin Gage, and I'll be guiding you through discovering all of the amazing resources for wellness that we have available right here in Westchester. Make sure you hit subscribe to receive all of the latest updates and episodes, and let's get started into today's episode. All right, we are here with Christina Patel. Uh, she is a licensed dietitian here in uh, Chester County. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Cool. So tell us, tell me about your background. You know, what got you into focusing on nutrition? Where are you from? Give me the whole, the whole backstory. Okay. So I'm originally from Maryland, actually, a small town called Pasadena. And I was brought to PA uh, when I met my significant other. He lived in this area, which brought me to this area. And it was during that time that I was kind of transitioning from where I was at in Maryland to starting a new career in PA. And I had always struggled with nutrition and with gut health my whole entire life going back to when I was a little girl. And over the years of seeing different specialists and doctors, I was never really able to get any sort of answer or relief from them. And they never really were listening to me. And so I became super like an investigator in my own health and digging right. into nutrition, digging into, at that point in my life, I wasn't really so much focused on stress and sleep and all of the other aspects, but definitely like, okay, I got to start exercising. I got to start eating better. And it was kind of in that whole investigative period of my own health that I became super passionate and super interested in the human body. And so I decided to go back to school um, and get my master's in nutrition so that I could then sit for the licensing exam, do the whole internship work. And that's what brought me to starting my own business. Cool. So there's a lot of uh, avenues that you can go down when it comes to being a dietitian. I know a lot of them end up in a hospital um, and do that. So what made you want to go out on your own and work with what you do? Yeah. So it was really just the approach that I use, which is more of a whole body approach. It's, I call myself an integrative nutritionist. And for anyone listening, who's not really sure of functional, more integrative approaches, it's really looking at the, the patient or the client as a whole and digging really deep to find the root cause as to why they're having those symptoms. And so when I first got into the industry, I, I thought, okay, I'll probably go the hospital route or work for some type of healthcare company, but I just found that I wouldn't be able to treat the client the way I wanted to and really spend time with them. I mean, I spent hours with my clients, especially the first initial assessment. Right. It's a two hour session and I'm digging deep to figure out why they're having these symptoms. Um, and so I just really wanted to be able to provide the best session and the best information and the best resources that I could for them. And that ultimately was just starting my own company. So what does an initial session look like? And before you even say that, what prompts somebody to reach out to you? Uh, you mentioned like symptoms. So I, I assume it's not just weight loss. It's probably some more severe things that are going on. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, across my table, I usually work with gut health. I do thyroid imbalances. So think Hashimoto's like hypothyroid. Right. Um, usually hormone imbalances and adrenal fatigue is coming to me. And it really, it's because people are at a point in their life where they're like, okay, I've tried to change my diet. I've tried 
to do the exercise route. Nothing's really pushing me in the direction that I need to go in. And so they really look for me to help guide them and help them create these sustainable habits. Um, I would say that as far as like what prompts people to reach out to me, you know, it's, it's anyone really just looking to have optimal health. I think people are just frustrated by the point, by the time they're seeking out a nutritionist. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, before we started recording um, that you specialize a lot in gut health. Mm-hmm. Now, this is something that I am fascinated with that is way outside of my pay grade. Uh, I know <laughs> this is like something that uh, I have just such a tiny, tiny amount of knowledge on. Um, but an analogy that I've created or, or a way that I've explained it to people is, um, and excuse my language, but I, w- I always say, we're all full of shit, right? Mm-hmm. We're all full of stuff. And that stuff is uh, a collection of our life experiences, trauma, our sleep, our epigenetics, our genetic code, our gut microbiome is a massive part of that. There's billions of microbiomes microbes that are uh, working together to digest foods and cause certain reactions in the body and connect to the brain. And it's different in everybody. Um, And so one person following a specific diet, their gut microbiome could be wildly different from the exact same person following the exact same diet and process things, you know, in a very different way and get very different results. Um, And really it's, it's something that the general public or the general kind of weight loss focused person really has no idea about, no, not even thinking about. Um, and if, if I'm wrong, call me on this because I no, do want to learn. Right. <laughs> um, but it's my understanding that a lot of our life experiences can affect the gut microbiome with stress and trauma and sleep and even just uh, our, like the birth process. Yep. Um, so that was my thing. That was the full amount of knowledge that I have. Tell me about the, the gut. Yeah, no, you're absolutely on key with that. The gut microbiome starts with the birthing process. So for anyone who was born through the vaginal canal, that's where you're exposed to your mother's microbiome and through the mouth and through the nose. And so if your mother's microbiome was deficient through her whole lifestyle, then that kind of sets you up right there to be a little bit deficient. And then if you're a VSC section, of course, you're not really getting any exposure. And so those babies maybe need a little bit more work right off, right off the start. Then of course, as we move through life, it's our diet, it's our sleep, our movement. We're exposed to antibiotics throughout our childhood and those things wreak havoc right. on our gut microbiome. So every, in every way, shape and form that we live and everything we do, it all affects our gut microbes. And so what you need to do is learn how to nourish it. Life is always going to throw things at you that are going to diminish it, but you can learn how to optimize it so that it's going to promote optimal health. So are any of, so I took one of those, like, you think I like spit in the tube and mailed it back to the company. One of those tests before, are those legit at all? You mean as Um, far as stool testing? Maybe it was stool. Okay. Yeah. So it was a stool test and I sent it back and they sent me a whole list of like, here's where your you know, gut microbiome is deficient. And here's some supplements that you could take. Is that legit or did I get scammed? <laughs> it depends on the company. So when it comes to stool testing, your generic primary care doctor is going to look at specifically just pathogens and inflammation. 
Um, they might look for blood, things like that. The one test that I use in my clinic and that I have found to be really resourceful is called the GI map. And that's like a full spectrum comprehensive analysis of the GI tract. Now, I, I can't really say there's one test out there that is super efficient and really giving you every single microbe that's in your system. There's billions and trillions of microbes in your system. But this one does do a good job at showing a good range of your upper, your um, beneficial strains to the strains that are more pathogenic. It's looking at yeast, parasites, um, any viruses that could be lingering in your system. And then it shows your intestinal health. So looking at the integrity of your gut lining. I know a lot of people probably yeah. heard of the term leaky gut. Um, so it's kind of showing the immune health of your gut system. And if you're having good pancreatic enzyme output, if there's any inflammation, um, it's just a good indicator of what really is going on. And that's important for gut health. Cause like you said, it's, it's a very broad subject. And oftentimes people think they can just throw probiotics at it. And it's so much more than just taking a probiotic pill. You have to address stress, sleep, movement, yeah. the food, um, medications, there's so many things that are altering and affecting it. Now talk to me about how does stress affect your gut microbiome? Yeah, so there's the gut microbiome access. I'm sure you've heard of that. Other people may have heard of that. And so our gut and our brain are communicating. They have this bi-directional communication pathway with the CNS system that you know, that's why you get a tingling stomach or a tingling feeling in your stomach when you're nervous. Um, or when you're really anxious, you might feel like you have to go to the bathroom. It's they're constantly communicating. And so in order for us to digest our food and for that whole process to run efficiently, you have to be in a rest and digest mode. And so you have your fight and your flight mode, and then you have your rest and your digest mode. And what stress does is it just keeps you over in that fight flight mode. It's creating a lot of chronic low, low grade inflammation. And you're not really able to just like fully go through that digestive process. And so something that I tell clients is if you're working through lunch or you're on your phone, whether it's texting or playing games or you're watching TV and you're completely not focused on your meal, then you might have some digestive issues like bloating or gas, things like that. And so really just making people more mindful of the whole process. Um, and is that something that you address in terms of lifestyle changes and what would you recommend somebody do to get into that parasympathetic or rest and digest state? Yeah. So it really depends on the client and their lifestyle. For somebody who just feels really stressed around mealtime, I have them just do like a few deep breaths and really focus on like the meal in front of them when you're eating, putting your fork down, oftentimes like we don't even realize yeah. it, but we're shoveling food in our mouth and then all of a sudden lunch is over and you're on to answering the next email. So really just being mindful and present in the moment when you're eating is important, um, but also being aware of what's stressing you. So sometimes it's an easy thing to point out, whether it's work-related or you know your schedule is hectic, but sometimes it's more mental and like you said, you experience trauma in your life and there are things that are just low grade always on your mind that are affecting you every day. So it really just depends on the client. So I have two things to say about this. And if my girlfriend's listening, she's probably laughing because I eat faster than anybody on the face of the earth <laughs> to the point that I like feel sick at the end. And um, I did want to ask this, this is an aside, but is it true that if you eat super fast, you can eat faster than your brain can trigger feeling full? Or is that an old wives tale? 
You know, I think it depends. You have to look at the whole process as a whole and your digestive process starts with you acknowledging the food, right? right. Just the senses of food and smelling it and seeing it makes your saliva start to run. And that's where the digestive process starts in your mouth. So chewing your food completely is extremely important right. and making sure that those enzymes are being released. And so if you are just shoveling and your brain's not having the moment to like say, okay, it's time to rest and digest. Your saliva is not really releasing those enzymes and you're chewing or you're not chewing and completely swallowing whole pieces of food, then yeah, it might alter some of the digestive process. Well, I do not do that. So that is something I'll make a point to, uh, to chew my food a little bit better. Now, the next thing is you mentioned it a little bit, but um, I, I tell clients a lot. I tell this story. Um, I got my daughter, I have a nine-year-old daughter. And I was really excited because I bought this like uh, remake of a Super Nintendo system. And it had like all these games built in and we were playing Super Mario Brothers and I was showing her like how great I was. And we beat a level. And if you remember Mario from, you know, from a kid or whatever, when you beat a level, like a little screen pops up and it tells you like, oh, you saved the princess. Now we're going to go to this thing. It, the whole thing lasts about a minute, but you can't skip it. You can't like, fast forward through it and I started to feel really anxious and I was like oh my god like this 30 second break where I can't skip over it I can't fast forward I can't do anything made me feel really anxious and it just really hit home on how fast the world moves nowadays with how responsive our phones are and how connected we are the cars we drive and just the stimulation that we have is so intense the world around us has evolved so much faster than obviously our evolution in our lifetime. Um, and I, I tell clients all the time, the, the secret to the life success is in slowing down, um, slowing down and thinking clearly, taking deep breaths. Um, when you're eating, slowing down, like putting your fork down, slowing down can trigger, you know, let your body and your brain catch up to the, like this rapidly moving world. Um, and it was just like a reminder when I was a little kid, that 30 to 60 second break didn't bother me at all. Right. But this now, because of, I'm so used to everything moving so fast, it felt like hours. Um, and it was actually like really like sad because I was like, man, I'm the world is like ruining us, but no, you're um, absolutely right though. And to be honest, I feel like I get that way sometimes, especially when it comes to whether you're watching like Netflix or a show, and you're like, oh, I can't fast forward through these commercials. Like what? <laughs> I have yeah. things I have to do after this show. So yeah, you're right. Just, and that's something that I do preach with clients a lot too, is just slow down. And health is not a race. You are going to have to work at your health. You have to eat three times a day for the rest of your life. Like yeah. you don't have to let that sink in for a second. It's forever. It's not going to be a two week challenge or a three month meal plan. It's, it's forever. And so you really have to kind of take a step back and just be like, okay, I need to take this day by day. Yeah. And I've said this before on this podcast, but you know, anything that, that you do tends to be lead to being done. So if you approach any diet or health, health change or lifestyle changes, this is something that I'm doing. Eventually you're going to be done and you really have to approach it. Like this is who I am now. This is what I'm, this is, the way that I live. And that's that's really a, a huge key to changing your life for the long run. Now, I did wanna come back to microbiome. 
Okay. Um, I've heard a lot of conflicting evidence on the intervention's effectiveness. Can you speak to, first and foremost, I know the research on gut microbiome is very new. Mm -hmm. um, so are we at the point where we really understand it? So do, does the medical field and research kind of can look at like the ideal microbiome and say, here's what it should be. If you're here, here's how we get there. You know, unfortunately, I don't think we're there yet. The research is just, like you said, it's, it's lacking in research. And you can't really say what's the optimal microbiome. I mean, the microbiome is like a fingerprint. Every single person has a different microbiome. And so who's to say Sarah's is better than Fred's? Um, I think it's just a really individualized thing. And as far as interventions, they change for everyone. And it's really important that people understand like just popping a probiotic isn't going to re-inoculate all of your bacteria. You really have to nourish it from a just very basic level of managing your stress, sleeping, moving, eating foods that promote bacterial growth that diminish pathogens. Um, and so that's really the basics of it. I think that more research needs to be needed and a lot more tests need to hopefully come out so that people can start testing more and being aware of what their microbiome looks like and then how to individual individually approach it. Yeah, and I think the medical and the research world is incredibly exciting about what they see is in the future. My dad is in research and development or was, he's retired now, but he is a strong believer that like learning about the gut microbiome and really affecting it can be help with autism and you know, some really, really serious uh, things in the world. And he's really excited about it. Um, with that, have, do you know anything about fecal transplant uh, therapy? Yeah, so again, there's lacking research in this. Right. And it's not something that I think we're at a point where we can just suggest it to anyone. It's a very, very, I think, small population right now that they're willing to risk trying it because these people are at a point where their bowel needs to be removed um, right. or they can try this fecal implant and see if it re-inoculates some of their bacteria to help flourish them again. Um, I will say it's probably the best chance in my opinion as to getting a flourishing microbiome if you're completely diminished. Um, because again, there's not enough research to show if you completely lose a strain, there's not enough research to show that we can even get that back. Um, right. But you can, do certain things to help flourish the strains that you do have to help balance them back out. So if you have more of a yeast overgrowth, there are things you can do to level that out. And if you don't have enough of bifidobacterium, which is like a main healthy bacteria, there are things you can do to raise that. Um, but fecal transplant is the one thing that people are like, okay, this is how we get the bacteria that we're missing back yeah. into our digestive tract. But when people first started doing this, they weren't really sure of what it was going to do. And I, I believe there was a research article that came out that actually it was, it put, I think it was HIV or another virus oh, into wow. people's systems because you're taking these, you know, organisms yeah. and, and transplanting them. So I think more research, more testing, and then hopefully it's something that we can do in the future. I'll let them have a couple people that they don't give HIV before I do it. But. Yeah, I, yeah, I think there just needs to be some more things, you know, worked out. And then, and like your, like your dad said, I mean, I think this is truly going to be revolutionary to health. 
And I think all health starts in the gut. I mean, if you're not digesting, absorbing and utilizing your nutrients, then your food isn't doing much for you. And so that's why I always address gut health. And people don't always, like you said at the beginning, associate it. Oftentimes I ask on a questionnaire before my assessment, I have all, I have people fill out all of the symptoms and they're like, man, like you talk about self-care and stress in my gut. And I was just thinking you were going to tell me what to eat. Like, I didn't know any of those things even were associated with how I'm feeling. And so I love painting that bigger picture for people. Yeah. And you know, Again, this is you know outside of my scope, but we do talk a lot about lifestyle factors with clients and just the understanding that, hey, a lot of people are chronically stressed and you're, they're so chronically stressed that they don't even realize that they're stressed. Mm-hmm. Their stress is from you know, staring at a phone all day or you know, having lights on all night and watching TV before bed and waking up next to a spouse that they can't stand and going to a job that they hate, driving a car, there's very little time in our, in our lives that we really get into that rest and relaxed state, um, which like you said, it affects your ability to absorb the food that you eat. And that is such an important thing. You can be eating perfectly, but if you're not absorbing it and you're not in that restful state, it, it's never going to give you the effect that you want. Um, and I think that's really hard for a lot of people to grasp um, because they want the secret pill. And I think sometimes saying, hey, just chill out, you know, know. <laughs> relax, meditate, go to bed earlier, stop watching TV right before bed. They don't want to hear it. <laughs> they don't want to hear it. And they then somebody will tell them that there is a magic pill and they buy that. And then there's, they circle back six months later. But um, I want to ask you a few questions. And I, again, I know you're, as a registered dietitian, um, I don't want to put you in a bad spot, but is there any general guidance for a healthy gut that you feel confident that you can say without knowing a person? Like you could say, most people should eat this, this, or this, or take this supplement. Yeah, absolutely, of course. So when it comes to just generic gut health advice, when it comes to food, plants are everything when it comes to gut health. So making sure that you're getting prebiotic fiber, that you're getting phytonutrients and those polyphenols to help that's what's gonna help nourish and flourish your microbiome. Um, Of course, there's probiotic foods that are important as well. And this can kind of be different for everyone. Some people can be sensitive to probiotic foods at first, which is just a sign that they're in balance and they have to kind of diminish some of the bacteria. Um, But things like kombucha, kefir, yogurt, fermented foods, sauerkraut, kimchi, miso, things like that. Um, So that's really, the focus of generic food that you're looking at. But again, making sure that you are not chronically stressed, that's super important. And making sure that you're getting optimal sleep, not just a a lot of people will say, oh, I'm getting eight hours of sleep, I'm fine. But they're waking up and they're completely lack of energy, needing the coffee to get by. So it's like, are you actually energized and are you actually sleeping through the night? And that's when they're like, you know what? I wake up at 4 a.m every single night, it takes me an hour to get back to bed, but I do sleep for another five hours. So kind of digging into all of those things. Um, and then, now, make, yeah. Oh, sorry, finished what you were gonna say. Oh, no, no, you're fine. I was just gonna say, really making sure that you're producing enough stomach acid, that your enzymes are right, your bile, the liver, gallbladder, all of that's connected. And so just making sure that you're doing things to support that. That's a very broad thing to say, cause it's, each thing is individually different, but kind of just looking at it like that. 
Um, I was just going to ask if you had any specific sleep uh, tips for people. Yeah. So one of the things that I promote a lot on Instagram and my social media and things that I work with clients on is rebalancing the circadian rhythm. So when it comes to, we'll start with the morning. So in the morning time, when you wake up, you really should be exposing yourself to natural sunlight right away. And that kind of helps stimulate the circadian rhythm. Like, okay, it's daytime, it's time. And then all of your hormones will cut, like your cortisol will start to rise in the morning. So that's really important, making sure that you're not doing caffeine past like 1 p.m., like max. I would prefer people to have it way before then, but 1 p.m. is like the cutoff if you want to have some like tea or whatever. Um, And then when it comes to nighttime, really winding down. So my tips when it comes to sleep is towards bedtime, start to turn down the lights. Sometimes you'll look around and every light's on in the house. You have every TV on and you're on your phone. So start to turn the lights down. If you need blue light glasses because it's really affecting you, then you can get some blue light glasses. Swapping out the TV for a book, if you can. Not a lot of people can do that, but I say at least get yourself into bed, turn the lights off. If you want to watch a show before bed, that's fine, but make it so that you don't have to get out of bed and turn off the lights and, and go, you know, turn off the TV with the remote. Like set yourself up for, okay, I can fall asleep now. And then... Um, if you need any type of like relaxing suggestions, like taking a bath before bed, using essential oils, magnesium is a really good nutrient that a lot of people are depleted in because of chronic stress. So those would be recommend, I've heard magnesium, uh, can cause GI distress. Do you recommend taking a, uh, pill magnesium or a topical magnesium? Yeah. So it depends on the client. Um, one way to get magnesium is by taking a bath with magnesium salts. And so that magnesium will get into the bloodstream that way. You can use topical creams. Um, there's different forms of magnesium. And so it's really important that people are aware that if you take magnesium citrate or oxide, that's going to promote a, promote a bowel movement the next day. Okay. So that's the ones that people want to steer clear of. Now, if you are somebody who suffers with slow digestion, that might be more of the route you take. You want to go more for uh, glycinate, which is the preferred magnesium source. And that's going to be really easily absorbed into the system and not give you that laxative effect. Okay, cool. Well, all those sleep tips are exactly kind of what we recommend with clients. And the last thing, you may have said this, but um, we always recommend keeping the room between like 64 and 66 degrees uh, is typically, you know, what really helps. Um, Blue light glasses, nice cool room, blackout shades, getting as dark as you can. Now, if you're up really, really early like myself and there is no natural sun, do you recommend one of those light alarms? Yep. So you can do, there's actually one on Amazon. I have to, I can't recall the name of it, but it's basically a mimic of natural light. It's not the alarm clock, but I have seen those and I'm sure that they do a pretty yeah. good, good effect, but this is more one that you keep, you keep in your kitchen or your desk and just turn it on right when you wake up so that you're just getting exposed to that light. Okay. Um, this is awesome. Uh, so if anybody wanted to work with you, how could they get in contact with you? Yeah. So they can get in contact me through my website, uh, which is mycbpnutrition.com. And then they can also reach out to me on a social media platform like Instagram. Um, again, CBP nutrition is my handle, or they can reach out to me via email, which it's 
info at cbpnutrition.com. <laughs> and I'll put your, your links in the show notes. So when we do put this out, it'll, uh, it'll be available. So awesome. this was great. Thank you so much. Uh, Christina Patel, CBP nutrition. Uh, this is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Thanks for listening, guys. Make sure you like and subscribe this podcast. Share it with anybody that you think may be interested. And please continue supporting all of the amazing small businesses here in Westchester. They need you now more than ever. And we'll see you next time.